Hello and welcome to Critical Line Item. My name is Tom Rablick. Thank you for joining me uh, this particular podcast. Now, business environments change and um, entities morph into into different kinds of structures and uh, from time to time. And uh, this has happened in recent times with a couple of accounting firms, with Gap Accountants and Nexia in Melbourne. They've merged their their operations recently, and I'm fortunate enough to have one of the key partners, Vito Interlandi, who's going to take us through some of the challenges they've had in the merger, merger process, the underlying logic behind it, and what the climate is for accounting firms today. Vito, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Tom. An absolute pleasure. Now, it, before we get on to uh, the looking at the economic environment and things that brought uh, the merger to to fruition, if you had to introduce yourself to somebody who'd never met you before, what's the Beto Wendelandy uh, elevator pitch? Apart from being a nice guy. Uh, yeah. Some more detail, please. <laughs> Would okay. you care to expand it's, upon that? It's Friday, Tom. Um, <laughs> oh, well, okay. So um, I I have been in business as an advisor for over 25, probably 30 years now. Um, started off in um, business services, but my initial career started off in corporate. So I've always had that interest. So um, we've grown from uh, my my expertise would be uh, advisory in terms of you know um, uh, making sure that a client achieves its its best potential and achieves its success so all all we try to do is make sure that we can guide them on that journey the best we can and um, manage of course their tax affairs and the team we, we use a team approach to that. We, we try to get the best people uh, involved in our practice that are uh, the specialists who can best look after that particular industry or that particular need. Um, then also our team, I do um, a lot of the transactional work, which is your M&A, uh, due diligence type work, your valuations, your independent experts reports, independent accountants reports for an IPO. Um, uh, basically, get you ready for an IPO, get you ready for a sale. Uh, we we do all that sort of work. So it, it's not your traditional um, uh, corporate uh, advisory. It's it's a mixture of both. Um, a lot of the clients we look after, in terms of I look after, either want to uh, grow and get their governance right, and grow to a point where they can extract the value of their business or just grow to pass it on to the next generation at the moment. And then, and then of course, next year is your, your full service type accounting firm. I think the only thing we just don't do is uh, uh, insolvency and liquidations. But we've got lots of friends that do that sort of work. So that that's probably me in a nutshell. When, when did you first start in a career in accounting you mentioned you've been around about 30 years of uh... well i'm i'm uh probably been doing this for 40 years now so initially i started at uh in corporate at main nicholas uh, and then bounced around uh for about 
five to ten years until ended up in a in in professional practice. Okay. Where so I you... decided that I would do my CPA and and then I did my CA. So, so you've done, <laughs> you you you've done both. You've got both qualifications, have you? Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. Cool. I'm now a, a managed to become a fellow of the Institute of Chartered Accountants. That take, now that takes a little bit of doing, doesn't it? How many how many years have you been a member of the Chartered Accountants? Well, um, good thirty five years. Okay, so that's a that's a bit of a trek. Um, before we touch on the merger, which the mergers are always interesting in the accounting world, um, one of the things that I've certainly written about in other contexts and spoken to people about is the impact of COVID on the business environment over the past little while, uh, certainly over the past three years. What's it been like for the practice um, uh, in terms of keeping things ticking away while the pandemic was kicking around? Well, we were lucky enough to be in Melbourne, which is the greatest lockdown city in the, in the world next to, next to Shanghai, I think. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, it, it's, it's been a challenge. Uh, no, no question about it. A lot of, a lot of people um, were challenged by our clients. Some clients were seriously challenged by it. Um, their, their course of their businesses got altered um, and have struggled to come back. And, and not, not to mention, you know, the post-pandemic, uh, post-COVID economic or microeconomic environment that's impacted them with supply issues and, and, and spiralling costs of, of doing business, labour shortages, all the rest of it. So not only did they manage to get through, but then now they're, they're being challenged by getting through that next phase, which is the post-pandemic um, issues. Some, some did really well. Uh, and thanks to the federal government who with JobKeeper and all the programs that even the state government did supported them well. Um, and, and enabled them to get through it. But, you know, I think for some it will never be the same uh, that it was. Uh, and and, we'll just, and for some, the, their plans that they had for the, the, their business have, have had to adapt. And it's those businesses that adapt that are doing well. Uh, however, um, the, the latest stats I saw is insolvencies are, are rising. And um, a, lo a lot of businesses are doing it tough. Um, that statistic is, is is at the forefront of our minds to make sure our clients uh, are best suited and, and have got the right advice and, and talking to their banks or, or looking at how they operate in particular is, is become important. I think tax... Tax is always important, um, but I, th I think right now a, a lot of focus is uh, on making sure we, we get through this and, and help our clients get through it. Uh, like I said, some clients are doing really well, and, and, and but I think they're far, far and few between. 
um, that that's what we we're, we're seeing, and, that, and that's what we did. We we stood by our clients. We stood by all our staff. I'm proud to say we did not retrench any staff. Um, we uh, made sure our clients got access to all, all the support that was on offer. Um, we um, uh, made sure we accommodated them in, in terms of partnering with them with their uh, um, cash flow shortages and struggles. And um, most of my my team and, and partners found, found the whole experience uh, quite exhausting, as did probably every accountant out there. Uh, you 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 really you really did have to go in and 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 support each and every one of your clients. Yeah, the interesting thing you mentioned was sort of transition and adjustment and making your way through. Um, and the reason I asked the question about COVID because you merge the merge you've entered into comes at an interesting time, which is at the time when you know the economy would seem to be starting to get, get, get a bit of a kick along. Um, if we can segue to the merger, uh, Vito, what what drove it? Was it anything to do with sort of the climate in COVID, or were there other were there other things that drove the drove the the, the sort of the courting, if you like, that led to the merger? The the courting was quite simple. Uh, uh, Doug was on the other side of a client that we were advised as independent accountant for an IPO and we kicked off uh, uh, we, I liked what he was doing he liked how we did business um, we, got, we, we got together we, we spoke and we both saw um how the synergies could work well for for not only our practice but for for his, and we had um, recently come off. I'm the, I'm one of we've next year's got two managing partners, uh, myself and Paul Clements. Um, we at our strategic plan before the merger, we um, as a partnership group decided that we wanted to. Um, grow and have healthy profitable growth and one of the ingredients of that is actually finding like-minded individuals who would like to merge in with us and and come along on the journey and uh, uh, Doug Abrahams and Eva Bonner at Gap fit that profile um, and we just clicked it off it, it, but every merger there's, there's a saying that a, a, a quick transaction is a good transaction. Uh, definition of quick is is different in everyone's mind. So it took it, it was um, very carefully managed over a period of time. Define define quick. Oh, quick quick in my mind be over and done with in three months. Um, let, let's say it, we took a lot more than that just to make sure that um, everyone was comfortable with the way the business would work going forward. 
okay. and that's important because if you you get that wrong, uh, any integration that you try to do um, just won't work. You're, you're dealing with um, people and you're dealing with personal advice provided by one person to another group of people which which are business owners and and uh, you know individuals who put yeah. your who put their trust in you so it's it's not it's not a straight cookie cutter uh, I'll buy that fee thank you and see you later uh, it's all about relationships yeah uh, and making sure those relationships work and 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 more importantly is that you could you could work with those people that that you're you're now in, in partnership with that's the other factor. If you can't work with the person that you're in partnership with, it ain't going to work either. Um, there are stock standard things that, that, that firms do. Um, you mentioned before in terms of business advisory, to the tax and other other things. How does the merger bring together? What skill set does it bring together in, and in what sort of critical mass does it create? Um, it creates a critical mass for us to answer that question. We're, we're not over and done with uh, uh, the growth story. Um, we, we, we are open and um, willing to merge, acquire, or even strategically hire individuals who can contribute to that growth and the profitable growth. Um, the critical mass was was something that we wanted to achieve. Um, Gap uh, took us halfway down that story. Okay. Uh, and uh, we're thankful for them and, and that. And we, we're very uh, um, focused on making sure that their clients uh, continue to get the best possible service. Also, GAP brings to Nexia uh, clients that what you call professional service uh, income clients, which are you know doctors and um, physios and medic medical profession, which is something that we did have, but but we wanted to grow as well, and so that was a perfect fit. Um, Doug and Eva would say that they would be highly regarded in that sector. Um, not, not to, that's not the only sector they operate in, but it, it is one of, one of the main ones. Um, so that's also something that was quite attractive. But like I said, it was more, more the individuals that were more important to us than just the clients. Um, it's, it's being able to have the confidence that they are the professionals that that can deliver that uh, service quality to their clients. And they had quality clients that were happy to, to get that service. So that's, that's what an accounting practice needs to have. Um, and that's what we, we wanted. But yeah, it, it helped us achieve part of our strategic plan. There's more to come. In terms of more to come, where do you sense um, the growth is? Because as of today, you know, you, you 
you've got a team, you'd have a team of people with certain skills, but technologies, the, the tech um, uh, styles of transactions, laws, the business environment is changing. Where are the where are the challenges that you see as you see them um, for the practice? Given given, for example, we've got things like um, yeah, the digital digital assets and other other things that are making business and then compliance somewhat more interesting. AI. <laughs> Yeah. The, the buzzword, the AI, you can don't call it digital assets, call it what it is. It's AI. Uh, AI is. Well, is... well I'm thinking Bitcoin and, and similar. Oh, well. yeah. That, well, Bitcoin's still developing in that. There's, there's more and more to come out there. Watch, watch that space, um, especially with the ATO and, and the rest of it. Um, <laughs> yes. That'll be a very interesting thing that will evolve. Um, we, we were at our national conference and we had a couple of presentations on AI and the disruptors out there, and in, in particular looking at um, how it will impact the accounting profession in the future. One thing that the keynote speaker did say was AI will still need us to interpret the results or tell it what to do, uh, at least probably for this next decade, right? So maybe in the future, it won't need it. Um, but you still need the human to be able to interpret and and provide the input. So if the, not only us, but most, most firms our size are focusing more and more and more on the advisory piece rather than the compliance piece. Compliance piece still remains necessary because you've got the authorities that want it. Um, but it's about providing the value to your client in terms of the advisory piece. So if AI makes the advisory piece, the compliance piece, sorry, um, uh, far more cost-effective for, for our clients, that's a great result. Uh, it means that the accounting professional would have to develop their advisory skills more. So that that's where the growth, I think, is... Well, that's where the profession, I think, is going in the long term or short to medium term, really. Now, with AI in mind and keeping in mind what you've just said and being the senior partner in this new company, um, what concerns do you have about the aspects of quality control with AI as it starts to creep in? Because you, you, you um, uh, there's, um, it can be useful, but to the extent to which human oversight is necessary, and, and the quality of the work still needs to be, um, still needs to be assessed. Appears to be. Just as, just as critical. Well, true. Uh, data analytics or data audits will become more and more important, won't they? 
Um, we we yeah. had that debate as well. It's like you can get your uh, doctorate by asking ChatGPT to write your thesis. Um, you, all you've got to give it is the right parameters, right? Um, can it do a tax piece? Probably could. Um, you'd still have to review it, make sure it covered off everything. Mm. Um, but look, it, it's a frontier that is growing uh, bigger and bigger. I think it was EY announced last week or week before that they've created a whole brand new division that will focus on AI. I mean, that's great. I think it was, I'm not sure it could be Deloitte. But they, they've got a whole team that now will just focus on AI. And I think that's addressing what you're talking about, Tom. Um, but, you know, that Deloitte, PwC, uh, uh, the, the top four can probably focus on that and, and find great new ways to, to, to use it. And I think as they develop that and as it develops further, um, a lot of people will start adopting it but it will it'll be a disruptor yeah. definitely yeah um, how much so ask me that question in about 18 months yeah, that's when that's when you'll start to see the the greater emergence of use and then the technical guidance from various authorities yeah, it was, yeah exactly I mean there was some, some ridiculous number about um, chat GPT has got has been downloaded or it's got more users than in the first couple of months than uh, uber did in nine months uh, so there was some quite like that but so yeah it, the adoption or people downloading and starting to use it is massive and that will only mean that it will continue to develop pick the Hopefully we don't get get to the Terminator stage with Sky, uh, Skynet. Skynet. <laughs> Probably not. But we'll see how we'll see how we go. The analogy I like using is iRobot with Isaac Asimov, but um, with Asimov's three rules. Um, yeah, well, that didn't work well in that movie. From remembering, no, it didn't. One of them did actually. Uh, yeah. wired up to break the actual rules so yeah. i think i think that's what you call um it's the exception that proves the rule right yeah but, but i mean think think about it if if you went to see a doctor that got his doctorate through chat gpt and and no one knew how cool would that be not for the patient though for that individual he's now a doctor hope you know how do you how do you know it was his piece or someone else's piece? Well, that's um, that's an interesting question and one we no doubt people will contemplate in terms of academic in, academic and professional integrity as we go along. Um, any practice that is developing is probably one of the questions that uh, is we need to we need to cover off on um, needs new people. And um, and the business environment and the general social environment is changing 
what are the things that you consider to be important in terms of skills for new people coming into the profession in the current climate, particularly for a firm like yours? If you break it down into um, grads, let's say, uh, the, the, the first challenging challenge for the accounting profession is the number of people doing accounting is is dropping because, uh, you know, um, other, other professions are becoming far more trendy, let's call it, or fashionable. So for us, it would be having enough intelligence and being able to get through your degree because the practical stuff we can teach you. Um, but if you've got the theory and you know how to apply that theory, that would really help. Um, the I, I found the profession being a great place to learn the craft uh, as opposed to commerce. Commerce is you can get pigeonholed for quite a while and, and you only see a part of it and then it expands as you grow. So for, for, for me, it would be to have uh, graduates who have been taught well at university know, know how to, to what, what a general ledger is or what a, what, uh, a journal is and how, how to do it. Um, know the difference between, you know, what is profit and capital and equity, which they should teach you in year one. Um, and then I would say to uh, have the patience to learn your skill and pick up some business acumen so you can become an advisor. Uh, learn about tax. Learn, learn about how, how, the, uh, how it works with what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. That, that's where it's valuable for us from a grad. Right? Um, the, we, we've been, I've been impressed with some of the grads that have been coming through, which is great. Then having people who know their skill in terms of know how to read a financial statement, know how to read, know that what they're looking at is not quite right, and, and know where it could be wrong as they grow as they progress through the profession is is important. Um, I think less and less of the career uh, person who just churns out tax returns and and financial statements. I mean, you know, AI may may take that over in the long term because it's all that compliance piece. So it's being able to have the grounding to be able to go from uh, preparer to reviewer to advisor is is what we I would look for in, in an individual. Have they got the capability to be able to grow through those uh, stages? And of course, the younger younger people are less patient, so that just means they've got to grow a little bit faster. And you've got to give them the opportunity. You do have to give them the opportunity, and and I I think in in our firm they they do get that opportunity to to demonstrate how quickly they can um, grow and learn. It, it, we've spoken about you know the the sort of technical skill set and sort of experience and applied applying the stuff 
that people observe to, along with the technical skill set, to, to solve problems, detect problems. Um, how much of it? How much of a role of the sort of this the generic skills play and critical thinking and all that sort of stuff in your view? They they're your base because mm -hmm. you're if they refer to as an advisor or an accountant, financial advisor, yeah, that, yeah. that's the the base grounding. So you you need to know uh, what you're looking at and be able to say, yep, yeah, that's that's correct or not correct. Um, but then it, then you find is there's a whole bunch of other stuff that influences the numbers that actually end up in that journal or in that PL. And it's about getting that experience and exposure to see, you know, what a transaction does or, or and then there's another piece they're learning about uh, the psychology of, uh, of managing people, for example. But if you, if you buy a business, it doesn't mean that everyone's going to be happy with a new style of management, do they? Uh, um, I've seen that before. People, you know, the, the the biggest and the best people just walk out and they go, "I don't, I don't want to work with that guy." Uh, so that transaction didn't go well. Um, so yeah, there's people, there's there's uh, state government regulations, there's there's a whole heap of exposure, you know, supplier relationships. Supplier concentration. What does that mean when it looks at risk? You, you got to talk to. You got to be able to talk to your client about. Oh, you, you know, you got too too much of your eggs in that particular customer. Uh, uh, there's a risk there. So it's it's about identifying those things and seeing it. But the the younger generation got to get exposed to that quite quickly, so they they embrace it and and they they seem to to. Some embrace it better than others, but the majority seem to get it more and more, which is good to see because that means the universities are actually doing more and more as opposed to just teaching them how to do debits and credits. And I mean, you've been very generous with your time, Beto. Did you have any other observation about sort of the, where the profession sits you'd, you'd care to make before we, before we wrap things up? I think the profession sits quite well still in despite AI. <laughs> uh, I, I think this I think a couple of years ago there was a disruptor called, you know, on zero, myob and all the rest of it, and everyone said that accounts become redundant. I think it was almost a decade ago. We're still here. Right? Um, we're still providing services. I think we'll still be here for a long time to come uh, unless they abolish money. And then, <laughs> then you don't need us. Right? Um, but I can't see that happening either. So um, I might, but I won't be around. So, you, you know, it's. I think the profession sits well. I mean, we're... Where the where, whether we're doing compliance with you know which is tax audit insolvency whether we're doing um, advisory pieces in in terms of you know 
the due diligence work and um, you know many there's many professionals there or anything that deals with finance or or value or money it seems to be the this fear where the accounting profession sort of like has evolved and and grown into so from that respect i think i think the profession sits well and that's a convenient note with which to wrap things up, Peter. If people want to know more about you know, the firm and uh, yep. what it does, and where do they find you? Uh, just Google Nexia Australia or Nexia, and we should pop up. Uh, and we're, we're getting a whole brand new, good looking website very soon. So, a whole brand new, good looking website very yep. soon. Yeah, very soon. A, and as Adam Bant says, Google it. Google it. No. <laughs> um, Nexia.com.au uh, or Nexia Australia. And um, you'll, you'll see uh, our website, which has got offices in every state apart from Tasmania. So you don't do overseas? We want to do. Okay. We Tasmania. would love to do Tasmania as well. Anyone in Tasmania, most welcome. Um, but, but yes. Uh, that's been great chatting to you, Beto. Thank you so much for your time. Hope we can do it again. Pleasure. No worries, Tom. Have a great weekend.